Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's been a hectic few weeks in a lot of different areas, but especially down in the NBA bubble. Uh, last week was certainly uh, historic and interesting and important, uh, but now we're back to playing basketball again, and uh, the games have been nearly, have been just as good as they were uh, prior to the that couple-day shutdown that they had, and including last night a, a classic Game 7 between the, the Denver Nuggets. We So, full disclosure, recording this before Game 7 between the Thunder and the Rockets, but uh, we're recording this Thursday and it's gonna, or Tuesday, Wednesday. Man, what day is it? Uh, Come on, Stansbury. Thursday morning, but uh, last night the game between the Nuggets and the Jazz, nothing like what I expected it to be, especially after the way that the first six games had gone between those two teams uh, with the amount of scoring and just high-level offense on display. And then last night was just like the quintessential Game 7 where – everything was really difficult for both teams. It was fun to see something a little bit different because I think the bubble largely has been dominated by offense, as you might expect, because when you've played in smaller gyms, it's just easier to shoot in gyms like that. And I think you've seen the offense reflected in that, but it was enjoyable to see guys get a little tight, get a little nervous Mm -hmm. in that situation. I mean, poor Gary Harris couldn't hit a shot. Now, right. some of that's cu- coming off of he's been he's been out for a bit, but uh, different type of game. You, I mean, for Murray and Mitchell, I, it was almost impossible for them to keep it up as much as they had. So, uh, wild ending, though. Man, that that uh, that went like eight different ways in the last two minutes, and yeah, just been that that was something. And I, I mean, I think for either of those teams, it's going to be short lived matching up with the Clippers. I don't really think the matchup works out well for 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 either team. But um, game sevens are always fun, and that lived up to it, at least from a competitive standpoint, not the best offense. Yeah, and I think that maybe the thing that we didn't take into account enough was early on in the bubble, I felt like the offense really suffered, but I imagine that there was an adjustment period. Yeah. I mean, those guys are so used to playing in big arenas, then all of a sudden you are playing in a tiny gym like that, or smaller gym. It's not tiny. It's obviously still an arena, but – the defense I thought so like the defense looked better at the beginning than probably you would expect just because of how much you know defense comes into team effort as much as it does individual but as we've seen that go on you've seen this high level offense really start to come into play and I mean last night I thought the thing that was good for the Nuggets is that during their the run that they had to go on in order to get back into get back to three uh, tied at three in the series. I mean, really even to win the first game that they won in the series uh, was that they, they really just had to rely on on Jamal Murray so much. And last night, obviously I think he had 17 points. He was like seven of 21 from the field or something like that. Uh, But he didn't, he wasn't near at that same level that he'd been in those first handful of games. I think that you could see fatigue really start to set in. Uh, The games had been so competitive in that series uh, that when you're playing Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday, or what would it have been? I guess Sunday and Tuesday. But those right. game six and game seven had been so highly competitive that then all of a sudden you're like, you're really starting to hit a wall. And that's something that, again, I don't know that we took into account enough. I think that it's nice that you don't have those travel days where it's like you'd get the two days off like you normally would in a playoff series just because it makes everything go faster. And for a fan, like it, it's hard to complain about that. But uh, – at the same time, you sit there and you're like, man, I don't know what the impact is on these guys' bodies. And now, I mean, you look at the Nuggets and they've got to turn around and play on Thursday against the Clippers. Right. Yeah, I think uh, 
it's been a, it's a different kind of fatigue. I mean, you don't have to fly anywhere, but mm-hmm. it's got to be taxing in a way. I mean, they're in five star hotel rooms, right? So it's not right. like they're, they're slumming it. Well, they still have six. access to high level medical care and you know, sure. recovery, but, recovery care. But I, I think a, a part of now the, the stress in general of being down there and then you throw in the social issues on top of it. I mean, that's just, I think mentally it can, can be a little bit taxing. You throw in a high level uh, seven game series against a really good uh, jazz nuggets team on either side. And I think guys were a little tired. Yeah. Now they have to turn around and play the Clippers. So that's a tough adjustment for them, but it's been, man, it's, it's funny, Jerry. I mean, just look at generally at these playoffs. Um, it's been the world injected itself into basketball to be in this position. And now kind of basketball injected itself into the world last week. So it's just kind of been a microcosm of the world we live in. And um, well, interesting, just uh, game sevens are always interesting. I think the, you know, people probably hear this after the Rockets thunder game. I think it'll be a, a similar, very physical, very emotional game with those two, but it just sets up easily for the the Clippers and the Lakers because of that. I think, these seven game series may tax whoever comes out of it. And ultimately the next semifinals will probably be six games max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the big story really of that first round was just the elevation that some of the young guys. Correct. Made. Uh, you know, you look at obviously Luka Doncic was phenomenal um, during that series, even though they lost to the Clippers and he really kind of put, his talents on display and then Jamal Murray and what Don and Donovan Mitchell both did, uh, in that series. Um, you know, and then obviously what Dame and then the, the Suns had done at the tail end of the seeding games, but it's just, there's, that's kind of a thing that I think is like a looming question for the NBA as LeBron James continues to get older and we all want, or, you know, a lot of people think that it's going to be Zion that's going to, and it was like, he was going to be the saving grace of the league moving forward but I think that this playoffs puts into perspective, like how good some of this young talent is, you know, I mean, there's, there's a ton of really good players. I mean, Jason Tatum has been awesome. yeah, so you mentioned the, the Boston guys. Even. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and, uh, uh, Jalen Terry or not Brown or Jalen Brown. Yeah. I don't know. If, for some reason I was like blanking, but, uh, and then like Pascal Siakam hasn't been as good here recently, but I mean, he's been, he's been really good for the Raptors for most of the season. And, that's what I think has been as much fun as anything is that it's, it's not the same old guys that like to an extent it is, but you're seeing the stories be these young guys. And it's like, man, the league is going to be in pretty good hands. Even after this current generation moves on the guys like LeBron and KD and, and, and so on. Yeah. I think the depth of the league is what has won the bubble. Now, ultimately it may come down to LeBron versus uh, I don't know who's exactly going to come out of the East. Um, and LeBron will be still the, the biggest storyline of this whole thing. Ultimately, same with Kawhi. I mean, they, we, like we talked about before this started, I think the Clippers-Lakers uh, final will probably be the one that decides it. Although, we haven't even mentioned Giannis yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only 25. so he in, And he hasn't exactly you know, put up these – crazy ridiculous highlight plays that Luca did or Dame did or some or, or Jamal and, and Mitchell, but he's still averaging like 28 points, nine yeah. rebounds and nine assists in the bubble. And it's like, he's been a disappointment almost, which is, which is wild. And we'll see what the bucks have. Um, Bam out of bio is another guy that's kind of come on the scene here where people are going, Oh yeah, that guy's pretty good too. So been interesting to watch. And I agree. I think that the NBA is in good hands. 
but do they have that transcendent marketable talent that LeBron is? And we shall see. I don't think Giannis, no. you know, is, is that guy. I mean, Donovan's got a lot of swagger. Same with, you know, is, can Murray have that? I'm not sure. So we'll see who can emerge um, and take the torch from LeBron and Kawhi and, and that group. But yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately basketball is really good and it's just amazing how talented these guys are. And that's been evident when they have nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing like with Giannis that, I mean, he's going to be the two time defending MVP. He's, <laughs> right. he's the defensive player of the year. And like, I mean, the number of times that I've genuinely sat down and been like, man, I'm excited to watch Giannis. I don't know that there's ever been one. Like, yeah. he, he just isn't a really interesting player to watch because of the way that he – just the way he plays. His game is – he's a freak. But you're like, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, he's just not overly there, entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's he's got a bit of a – my guy Dwight Howard in the late – you know, in 28 to 2011, where he just dominates the game physically, um, skill-wise. I mean, okay. It's, it's always tough to say, oh, the guy's not skilled. But you see him take a jump shot, and you're like, that kind of looks like me out there. Right. Um, and you see now in the playoffs where he's running into the issue where they look at guy like Miami was able to do in game one. I mean, they held him to 29, but they wall up inside, make him shoot jump shots, and he looks pretty ordinary. Where Giannis is so good, he's so big, so fast on the break that he makes some wild plays in those settings. But in the playoffs, it's harder to do that. He's a great, great guy in a middle of January game because the defensive possessions aren't as, you know, at hundred percent. Right. We'll see. I mean, he still has time though. I know a lot of people are writing off the bucks. That team is still really good. If they get Bledsoe back, I think that'll help. And Giannis still has the ability to carry them defensively, which he hasn't done a great job, you know, against Orlando or in the first game against Miami, but he's still capable. I agree with you though. If I'm going to, you know, sit down, watch a game, He's probably not in my top eight no. in the NBA right now. And it's just interesting because he is, he, I think he is probably the best physic, just physically talented guy uh, for what he can do, but you know, maybe not as interesting as some of the others. I think the thing that pisses me off so much about him is just his entire team. Like <laughs> so much of what they do is give the ball to Giannis and then all the rest of us are going to go stand around. And, <laughs> and like, and you see and it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I can only – like, I love Kyle Korver. You know, You're down on Kyle Giannis. Cor Kyle Korver has yeah. been great for the state of Iowa and what he does. But, man, I can only watch Kyle Korver stand in the corner for so long before I'm like, yo, go do something, dude. Like, they, <laughs> they just that, – that just drives me crazy. And, you know, like the Rockets, the Rockets play a pretty similar style, but at least you see P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon and all those guys, like, moving around off the ball and trying to set screens for people and trying to get people open. And, you know, they're doing that when they inevitably know that this is probably going to end in Russell Westbrook throwing up a shot for, that isn't going to go in. Uh, and we'll be lucky if it even hits the rim sometimes. And which at the end of game six the other night, he wasn't being able to hit the rim. But it's like, that's what to me is so frustrating about the Bucks is I'm just like, man, I really want you guys to actually do something and not just stand there and watch. Well, it's weird because they had, you know, they had the best offense in the league, I think, um, you know, during the regular season. They really stumbled at the end and then in the bubble, they haven't been as good. I just don't see it with them. Though. I agree with you. Maybe it's, um, you know, you don't appreciate, and I'm not a big Chris Middleton guy. I know yeah. he's solid. 
it's like uh, I heard the other day, it's like, well, you know, everyone calls you underrated for long enough. You're no longer underrated. Like you're properly rated. And I think he's properly rated and they don't have another guy that can really just get them a basket. I mean, Bledsoe maybe, but if just, your offense yeah, is it, hinging on what Eric Bledsoe can bring to the table for you, then I think you're in trouble. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, or they need to just hit a bunch of threes, Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's not like the Rockets where you've got hard and creating offense for others. And, you know, maybe Giannis might surprise me and just go nuts. I, I, I misspoke earlier. They held him to 18 on uh, Monday night, which is pretty impressive for the heat, but are you buying the heat? Can the heat, can the heat do this? Can they beat the bucks? Because I think, the thing about Milwaukee is they've been, they're just solid and they're really good on defense, which, you know, nobody really talks about because they're super long and Giannis, if they want, and they should do this now, if they want to put him on Butler, it, it, I don't know what they were. I, they, obviously some controversy that Giannis said he wasn't asked to guard Jimmy and yada, yeah. yada, yada. But um, he can completely transform them on that end of the floor and, and really neutralize Butler. But Miami may have enough otherwise to, to get it done. I think that's a, that's a very interesting series, man. I've got to say that I think, so I was going to bring up the heat next because I think that they're a super, they are, they are a super interesting team. Uh, as, as much as it's about Jimmy, it's, I, I know you're I, going, yeah. who is a, a, I mean, has been bouncing around the league because he's a complete asshole, you know, <laughs> for the last four years. And all of a sudden he gets onto a team where there's no other star. You know, Drogic, Drogic is fine. You know, Bam is kind of elevating himself here. Uh, but other than that, like, it's just a bunch of dudes. And you know who it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Raptors last year, where it's like you've got this one yeah. guy who is, is your star. You've got some other people who, are, who have been high-level players or are turning into high-level players. And then everybody else just kind of plays their role. And they, they just do what they need to do, and they go to work, and it's like a lunch pail mentality. And – it's like Jimmy Butler is a colorful version of Kawhi. Does that kind of make good, sense? That's a good comparison. I think Jimmy Butler gets too much credit on that Miami team. I mean, he's a nice player. I mean, yeah. his numbers are good. They have been good. Had but you're right. Day, I think 43 they, maybe. They essentially let him be the alpha, and that's what he needs to be successful. Like, he needs to be the a-hole, as you said. I mean, you're dead on. Yeah. And, and Bam is really good. And then I think in the bubble, since the bubble started – I think Dragic has been a top 12 player. I mean, look, look at his numbers in the playoffs, Jared. He's averaged, he's scored more than 20 points every single game in the playoffs. He's hitting about 52% from three. The guy's been nails and he's really good. I mean, Goran Dragic has been around long enough that you kind of forget, Oh yeah, that's the, you know, the lefty from Croatia. Okay. We've seen him before, but he is, he has really stepped up and became a legit second or third guy for Miami, and then out of Biles, good enough defensively, and they've got all those other role players that can pop off for twenty if you let them. And you know, I don't, I don't think the that the Heat can win an NBA championship by any means, um, but they have done a really nice job of putting together a weird group, kind of like the Raptors did. I don't think they're as talented as the Raptors were last year either, but uh, good comparison, and I think it may be enough to to get through the bucks. I think that that series goes seven games, six or seven games. I think Milwaukee's ultimately a little more talented, but Miami has been playing of, in my opinion, the best consistent basketball in the bubble. Yeah. I just, them I, Boston. They were Boston. I yeah, should say. I, I'd agree with that. I just, I just look at the East in general and the, the East is just really not that intriguing 
as an entire uh, as an entire conference right now. And I'm sure part of that, from my perspective, comes down to the fact that you know the team that I root for is basically last very long. is about to implode, and they're probably on the verge of just blowing it all up. But Prince uh, Prince Joel, where are you? Yeah, dude. Man, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. They they've got some serious issues. Uh, at this point, I'm starting to think that it might be time to like break it up. But uh, but I I look at these teams and it's like there's no really super megastar outside of Giannis, who again we just talked about has limitations on that in that sense. Uh, but it's just like the other three teams are all just solid. They've got good players, uh, but there's nobody that it's like man. I'm really intrigued by these guys. Like I really want to turn the TV on to watch these guys, you know, and like even in the West, like it really comes down to, I don't want to watch Clippers. I could not care less to watch the Los Angeles Clippers. That, that team is so boring to me. And then they just go, Oh man, the way they play too, where they just beat people up. But they could get in a fight at any moment. Old friend, Marcus Morris, uh, out there just, uh, just putting people on the, on the deck, Patrick Beverly being a, being Patrick Beverly. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like them very much. It was, it was fun to watch Luca kind of give them the business there for a little bit. They just didn't have enough firepower to, to really land a knockout punch. They, uh, they're like, they're turning into kind of a Detroit Pistons bad boy era team, which, you know, they're easy to dislike. Version. Yeah. A very scaled down version. I, I joked back in the day, that the Morris brothers were like the, the enforcers in the, in, in mighty ducks, the movie mighty ducks, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the you know what I'm talking about. And they, they, they've come, that has come true. That's basically all they're good for anymore is just to uh, roll some heads. But, you know, I think, yeah, Kawhi is never, is just not an interesting player personality. He's so good. He's, he's a robot. He's almost too good. He makes it look too efficient that it's just, it's not like Luca where, or, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell who has a little flash to him where he's just so even good. LeBron. Even LeBron, right. Yeah. LeBron's got a little extra there. Um, and then Paul George is, I'm not still not quite sure what to make of him. Still waiting for him to really play off P to become playoff P, but they've got, they've got enough people that if, if like and Paul George hasn't played well at all, and they just have enough that they're, they're just deep. And I think depth ultimately helps them out. They're still, let me get your take on this. I'm sure they're 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 coming next. They're still my pick to win it all. I mean, I, can't, I just think when yeah. it gets to them and the Lakers, and we know that's what, when I, that's the that's the ultimate matchup here. I think they have too much in that second unit for Los Angeles, and LeBron and AD can only do so much. They have to take a seat eventually. See, that's the problem for them. Just they are so depleted as far as the. Uh, their second unit and what uh, I mean, we thought maybe Jr. and Dion and Dion waiters coming in would make a little nope. bit of an impact and they've done absolutely nothing. And turns out maybe there was a reason that they were both out of the league <laughs> for the last year. Uh, and it's just it, kind of like with Eric Bledsoe. It's like if your ability to manufacture offense comes down to what Eric Bledsoe can do for you, when your ability to manufacture offense comes down to what, uh, Alex Caruso can do for you, then you're probably going to be in trouble. And I will say, though, I think that they have flipped a switch. They flipped a switch during that Portland series where yeah. it, it became blatantly clear that it was like, okay, LeBron and AD were like, yeah, you know, 
we weren't quite dialed in yet. And it took one game for they're like, all right, now we're here. And, uh, and they started both putting up ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And the thing with those two is sure. You can look at their offense and they LeBron can put up a triple double whenever he wants still. I mean, AD can still go for 40, but what sets them apart when the Lakers are really good and you saw them turn that switch on is on the defensive end mm-hmm. because they're so long, they're so quick and they're just big everywhere. And even JaVale McGee or Dwight who are very limited offensively, but those two guys at the rim and they're still both, even though they're older, they can still, you know, foot speed wise, you know, stay with people. I mean, you can, you could switch either on a Kawhi or a Paul George and they, they would hold up. Okay. I mean, that, that is their best attribute it's not necessarily offensively or you know the flashy plays it's that defensively they can grind you yeah. I mean and, and that's that that wins games and you know LeBron you know, they do need a third person whoever that might be um, but I think they, they can win games against the Clippers you know even if it's 90 to 85 like they can win games like that and they may have to it's going to be weird because that game or that series ultimately I think comes that down to a rock fight yeah. and it's going to be less offense more defense and who can impart their will? I mean, will Lou Williams be able to get buckets on those guys potentially? Um, can Ka- Kawhi do it against a long defender in LeBron potentially? So uh, real, that, that thing has a chance to be epic, and it still does. I think it's still trending that way. Um, but I, I just if I have if I have ten dollars, I'm still going with the Clippers. See, and that's the thing. I think that any of those, I mean, those two teams fit better into a series like the one that's seven games like what we saw last night between the Nuggets yes. and the – I mean, where the final score is 80 to 78, you know. Yep. And I don't think that it'll probably be that way, but you, I think you can handle that a lot better if you only have two guys who are doing the primary part of your scoring. I mean, when LeBron's teams have been at their best, that's usually kind of how they've been, you know. Outside of maybe the one Miami team when they really had it cooking and whatever that was, 11-12, I think. Good point. He, he is, again, when he wants to be, he can be a top-five defender still. Yeah. in the league. Uh, and that's why I think the Mavs and to a lesser extent, the Blazers were scary for each in the opening round because the Blazers and the Mavs went on, as we saw our top five offenses. Yeah. And when both are hitting, like they were at times Portland in game, although Portland never really shot it well, but you saw it, when Dallas shot it as well as they did in, in game two. And then in game four, they won't lose mm-hmm. because they've got enough guys that if they put up 135, it's just hard to keep up with them where the Lakers and the Clippers, sure. They could, they may be able to get to 120 in one of those games, but most of them are going to be those half court contests. And that's where Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, AD. I mean, I think that that is basically going to turn into a kind of a two on two in the half court and who can execute better. Right. All right. Two, two other things very quickly. Uh, first thing, I think we got to give a quick shout out to our boy Monte Morris uh, in the way that he's elevated himself here. Um, he needed to be on the court in the fourth quarter. That was, yeah. I mean, th- that, that was disappointing. Did he play a single minute in the fourth? I don't uh, know. I mean, they had Gary Harris out there throwing up bricks. It's like, I mean, yeah, Gary Harris had the one nice defensive play at the end of the game. It's like, I, the Fred's quote kept popping into my head. It's like, bad things are happening put in monte and it'll make it better yeah um but yeah he's he's been he's been solid as advertised yeah and it, i mean it just it further solidifies in my mind that you know he i think that his, he will be up for either an extension or a new contract after next season uh so like he maybe could have a negotiated an extension like in this off season uh 
But if he decides to hit the free agency market, someone is going to back up in, in, uh, in the way that, uh, you know, old, uh, Isaiah Thomas said it back in the day, somebody would back up the Brinks truck for Monte Morris to get him to be their starting point guard based on what yeah. I've seen during these playoffs. No question. I'm looking it up right now. He's got one year left, and I think it's an option year, um, at $1.7 million. He will be he's – a, he's, a, he's an at least an $8 million a year guy, yeah. in my opinion. If I mean, he, I think he could he go might, to a bad team and probably make eight figures. I think so. Yep, I think he could get there, which is awesome for him. And he's just solid, and he's – I mean, Williams, Williams even tweeted it, and he's, he's right. He's a 10-year, he's a 10-year pro at this yeah. rate and just good things happen when he's on the floor. And, you know, they, they probably won't put up a, a, a huge fight for the Clippers. I think Denver can get a couple games there, but um, I think Monte should get more minutes. I, I'm concerned because Denver has invested so much in Gary Harris that he'll get more run here. Um, but, but I think they're better off with Monte at times, just, just kind of running the show with Murray and Jokic. Yeah. All right. Then the last thing, uh, since we've talked last, the NBA, um, lottery took place. Yeah. Obviously Tyrese Halberton, that's something that we, we are keeping close tabs on considering he will be a top 10 pick in the, in the draft. Whenever that might happen, it was supposed to be in October, but it sounds like that could be potentially moved back. Um, what, what do you see from the, that top group? And, you know, I, I think that there was a point when we all thought maybe that golden state would be a really good landing spot for him. But the fact that they ended up with the, um, with the number two pick makes me think that uh, he probably will, will not be going up and to, to team up with Steph and Clay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, just from a, the top five right now, it's Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland. I have a hard time seeing Tyrese in the top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you start to start thinking seriously fit wise, starting with six with Atlanta. Um, I think the most likely options are Pistons at seven, Knicks at eight, Wizards at nine. In my opinion, he doesn't get past the Suns at ten. Yeah. So Man, I think it's the in Suns that. Would be fun. He would be. It'd be fun. fun. I mean, I think any any of those groups, any of those four. So Pistons, Knicks, Wizards, Suns. And I, I think Tyrese will be in the conversation at six. The Hawks too. Let me throw them. I think any of those, he will play and play a lot. Um, starter, maybe. Especially if a couple of those teams aren't very good not the Suns. I think he fit in well with the Suns as a good, you know, sixth, seventh guy there. I think he probably starts on the Wizards at this rate. Um, and then the Pistons are going, are kind of directionless at this point too. So there's sure. some opportunity for him to play. And um, good for him. He's going to be, he's going to be making a lot of money. No and will will be great to see uh, Tyrese in the NBA. And he'll be the highest pick, no question, uh, since Pfizer in 2000 for, for Iowa State. Man, I just hope he doesn't go to the Knicks. I, that's, I, I can't imagine Tyrese. I don't want Tyrese to go to basketball purgatory and have his, his love of the game zapped out by James yeah. Dolan. I just – and I know they have a new GM there and they've got some – I don't think they have a new coach yet, do they? I don't believe so. Yeah. No. It's just – no, they hired uh, – wait. Who the, who the hell hired Thibodeau? Did they hire Thibodeau? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, now I definitely yeah. don't want him to go to New York. Well, he would never oh, play because no. he doesn't play young guys. Um, yeah, so stay away, New York. You don't yeah. want Tyrese. Go somewhere else. I think he'd fit in well with the Wizards. With they would, I mean, he'd play a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping, selfishly, 
six to Atlanta because I think it'd be a, he'd, he'd actually fit in well with Trey just yeah. because they could play off each other. And Tyrese is a big guard. I mean, he really is. He's got that wingspan. Um, and then the Suns at ten as a you know potential playoff team with some added uh, experience next year. They could probably use a young point guard too. Another guy. To- yeah, I mean, I mean, De- Booker's not not a point. Uh, Rubio's fine. And then, do you know who their backup point guard is? Our old friend from West Virginia, and, uh, Javon Carter. Javon Carter, yeah. So they, they could Carter's definitely use – Quite a niche. Yeah, he has, but I don't think he's a, a – Carter's definitely not Monte with the, his ability to impact a game. I think, yeah, I think no. Tyrese, Tyrese would definitely fit in well there. And I hope they're a fun team. So, again, I want, I want Atlanta at 6 or uh, the Suns at 10. Definitely. All right, brother. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Hope you have a have a good Labor Day weekend. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right? Say hello to all the other twenty NBA fans in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you soon. See y'all.